Today, my guest is Vincent Peters. Vincent Peters is a fashion photographer from Germany and his exhibition, The Light Within, can be seen until the 16th of February. Do you enjoy? Good morning, Vincent Peters. Good morning, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, Vincent, what's the first thing you notice in a person? <sighs> um. What's the first thing I notice in a person? It's a good question. Um, I think is, I don't know if I notice it, but I know what I'm looking for is the capacity of empathy. You know, how they react towards somebody else. Are they protecting or are they be able to engaging, you know? And I think you can see a little bit. Uh, from there, I think you can, you can take a lot from a person, you know? Mm -hmm. Are they, are they, do they have the capacity to open up to somebody? Or are they, let's say, because of their emotional landscape, rather, you know, closing those doors, you know? Would you say that most people are? Or you know, I think it, it's, in, in my business, yes, because what you are is also your business. You know, but I think on the other side, it's true. You also meet some very engaging people. It depends, you know, like I think, for example, and well to stay with the name dropping, um, Monica Bellucci is a very generous, open person. You know, it might only go so far, you know, but then I think also because um, she's Italian and I think she's, uh, um, you know, the it, it from a cultural point of view, she's a very emotional person. And I think those emotions you want to share. You know, so it also has something to do with that. Obviously, as I said, you know, when you go to other countries. So I think there's the different parts. It's not a judgment. It's not that I say they should be more open or they should be more closed. But I, as you know, it's just an observation. You mm -hmm. know, it's not that I think a lot of times people are more closed also protect a certain sensibility inside, which is very interesting to discover. You mm -hmm. know, and maybe to a certain point, you could say that people who are more open or outgoing could be also partly superficial because they're sharing things with others too easily, you mm -hmm. know. So again, it's not a judgment, but something that I look for, you know. Mm -hmm. You are from Germany, but you feel much more like an American. Do you, do you know why that is? Uh, that's kind of a disaster for myself, to tell you the truth. In many ways, it's a little tragic because I don't really know where I belong. Yes, I left to America when I was 18 and and I, I, you know, I try to find out for myself, why did I leave? So what, what I think there's always the question, what makes you leave home? Some people leave, some people stay, you know. And, um, and I left f fairly early. And, but if you leave that early, it's, it's hard to find your way back, you know. And today, for example, where I'm 50, I don't really know where I belong. I know I'm not American. And it's such a, it's a way of life that in many ways doesn't respond with me. I feel very European. I feel very attached to European culture. I'm missing it a lot. I like the I like the conflicts in America, but everything that is a strong influence in my work also is basically from Europe. Everything beyond that, not necessarily um, the iconography of the pictures itself, but the idea of culture. It's very European. I feel I'm a very European person. Now, am I a very German person? No, because when I'm in Germany, I feel I'm not at home. I'm trying to make friends right now with Berlin, and I'm always, I'm really struggling with it because I think these people are so German, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you are German too, you know. I mean, you got to, th these, these are your people, you know. Mm -hmm. So you do get a bit homeless, you know. I think, you know, you, 
That's the price you pay, curiosity or security, I think you have to choose in life. You know? Yeah. Do you, do you think that sometimes we are more defined by what we long for than where we come from? Well, I think, um, good question, but I would, the question is, do we have to separate that? Is it separated? Because I think, look, what we're longing for is obviously stemming from certain emotional deficits, more or less, that will mm, partly maybe defined by the culture where you grew up in, but it will definitely be very much defined by the family and by the affection that you're experiencing when you're younger. And I think those may be influenced. You know, if you're coming from a poor family somewhere in Russia, you're obviously having different circumstantial emotional deficits because your mother can only give you that much, you know. And then if you're coming from a, a family in Germany or in, in Los Angeles, you know. Now, is that what really matters? I don't know because I think in the end it's the way it's been translated. But I think it may, you know, I think today where the, the influence of social media or of television or of, of the circumstances are so strong and, and as, as a child you think you want a certain life and if your parents cannot provide it for you, you maybe feel you're deprived of something. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Now, you might not have been deprived of the love of your parents, you know, but, you know, you might feel that, like, you know, when I was a kid, we couldn't afford anything, we didn't have anything. Did I miss it? I don't know, you know, but... Um, but I do think that obviously the circumstances influence your parents and your parents influence you, mm -hmm. you know, and I think out of that, you, you're defining your emotional fabric. Mm -hmm. you know? In your case, do you think it was more running away or just running towards something? <sighs> I, I wish I had an answer for that. It's, it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, no, I don't think I was running away. I think I had a very strong curiosity. I don't think I belong. But I think the question is, my mother is born in Japan, mm. and my family was living abroad for many years. Uh, I think 30 years they spent in Japan, and then they had to leave it after the war. But um, the, the fact that my mother didn't come to Germany herself, and my, my grandmother is from Colombia, and um, the fact that my mother does not really connect with Germany in the classic values and rules and she always acted a bit like an outsider probably was a groundwork that I never really I always felt I have to look somewhere else you know I was not brought up with very straight German values and I think because my mother was kind of an immigrant and didn't come to Germany until she was 15 Obviously, you know, like it was not so much part of my DNA to really be at home there, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the funny thing is, she's still like that, you know. So something very German um, as a term in my household where I grew up would not be something positive. It would always be something a little bit conservative, a little limited, and and you know, because my mom is an art teacher and my dad too, so it it would be always something that in, in the post-German era, let's say the artistic expression was a little bit reduced. It was more about conservative values. I think pre-war it was more free, but I think they were missing something, mm -hmm. you know, and they were, they were finding it somewhere else. It was the art of the Italians, it was the movies of the French, it was the, the you know, the pop culture of the Americans, you know. But I think that's honestly a bit around in the the problem of Germany today is that they have a certain inferiority complex still that's very developed towards the culture of others. Even when I go to Germany, when I do interviews or 
when I do press, I, I, the, the one thing I feel they're selling me on is always the photographer from New York. It's never the photo. I'm like I'm as German as you, why you know? But the New York factor or the Paris factor or the London factor, it always has to be brought in. You know. Uh, can I ask you why were your parents in Japan? Um, yeah, interesting story. Um, my grandfather, you know, you know the the Titanic. Yes. You know that was White Star, I think. You know, I'm not like, and my my great grandfather was running an equivalent company for uh, ocean liners called Lloyd and um, uh, it, it they he, my great-grandfather was running the uh, you know the, 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 the passenger ships from Germany to America and his son my grandfather then eventually was running the business for Southeast Asia so he was running the line Germany Shanghai to uh, Kobe and that was uh, before the, f the Second World War Okay. So he was kind of like a, 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 a my great grandfather I think was the managing director and his son was sort of like doing the Southeast Asia business and all of that because of management because of the war after the war. So my family was fairly wealthy before the war, at least well off. And then uh, um when it went at, you know after the war obviously also because then people started using planes and they didn't make the right decision and they got really poor you know and they all they all became alcoholics <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about war uh, your exhibition is here together with James Nathways yeah I'm very um, I'm very moved by that by that un accidental encounter yeah when you uh, when I look at the James Nathways works and I look at your works then we see everything that people are trying to run away from, and then we see everything that people are trying to run towards. Yeah, what that I think, think is the true that? beauty of the combination. Well, I think what it does, it really, it, it makes me question a lot. It would be a good conversation to have with James, you know, what makes him, because I think his work as since 15 or 20 years strikes me at he's the one guy that does not look away. He has uh, a consistency of holding steady no matter what happens. He can take a picture of it. And I cannot even look at those pictures, you know? Now, to a certain point, it's true. I think what's so significant about it, um, as I was saying earlier, there is the horror and the hope that you're combining within two different floors in the most extreme um, that we have right now in our society. You know, you have the... You know, you have the glamour of the the celebrity. You have, you have two different countries you can travel, in a very small space, which is an incredible privilege for the people if they're capable of seeing that. But both of them is what we do. Both of them is what we need, and they both, again, our own emotional experiences. Because as much as you do not know, but like to know, the celebrity you know glamorous world that maybe my the people I'm shooting that they representing you do not feel the pain of of the people who represented in James's pictures because they lost their arm the leg or their their life or they they you know or the 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 loved ones you know so i think as an as what it really matters is not so much me or James's pictures what it really matters is the the emotional, um, the emotional capacity of people to see 
how do you position yourself in that world that we created for ourselves? Because that's what it really is. This is what we've done. They're two very opposite realities, you know. Mm -hmm. But then again, they're not because um, my work is very internal. And I think it's not a secret to say that a lot of the people I'm shooting have a, a huge emotional struggle being those representatives of being told and living a role that other people tell you, oh my God, you're so happy. Even me as a fashion photographer, a lot of times when I meet people, they say, y you have no idea how many times I hear the word, you're living the dream. And then I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just having tea at the airport. Am I really living the dream? <laughs> that is the dream, you know? And the, the, the reality and the persona and the perception of other people creates a certain sense of disappointment for yourself. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. hard to say if, if, even as a fashion photographer, because people think you're constantly meeting beautiful women and you're constantly hanging out with whoever, George Clooney, you know? They're projecting something already on me because the need for this projection is so strong. And yeah. then at the same time, you have the pictures of James where we are so afraid to end up like those, that, that our conditions have been, uh, that destiny is rolling over us, that we, we l somehow getting close to that level of pain. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's what I often think about when I, uh, when I think about very, very famous people. Like, if everyone around you is telling you that you are the happiest, you're the richest, you have everything, your life should be amazing, and you're miserable at the same time, like, what hope do you have left if you're not actually happy, but everyone around you is telling yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, people constantly telling you that th this is it, you're it. You yeah. know, your life is it. I want your life. And you're like... Well, I don't know. It's just a great Tuesday, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think the pressure you're receiving from others and the justification for your own destiny, it's, it's putting you in conflict. Not just that, just also the fact that you've been, you, you know, we are feeding the hunger of people. You know, not me maybe as a function, as a photographer in a very small sense, but the people I'm shooting, they are they feeding the hunger of people of, of a longing for a better life, you know, of a longing for no problem. But also James is feeding the hunger for a people for being confronted with the horror of motivating them, of trying to get away from something. So we're creating a system of coordinates, which is very, very significant for a society, you know. And at the opening, for example, I was trying to explain this to the people that... Um, that the Greeks, who are more or less already um, thought about everything, the, the, the beauty in itself, what's always the beauty of the gods, the sculpture, the, the idea what the Greeks introduced to this life, which is completely, has not changed. The Greeks, um, the Greeks status or standards of beauty are completely valid today. You can take any Greek sculpture you know, for a man or for a woman, and it will be valid today as a standard of beauty. But at the same time, those standards came from the gods. They are, you know, they, they sculpturing the gods. But at the same time, the gods could just as do to you in your daily condition, in, in, the, in the conditions of life, it makes you as vulnerable because they are deciding your, your circumstances. And they could you put you at war. What James is saying, 
these people have been thrown into a destiny that was not of their choosing, that was decided by people in power. Now, it may not have been the gods, but it may be some politician that decided to go to war or somehow, you know, create some conflict that can only be resolved violently, you know. So that, that hope and that horror that is the base of the Greek tragedy. I don't know if you know the, the, the yeah. you know the Apollonian concept, you know, and I think if you have the Greek tragedy, there's the chorus around and then there is the actor in the center, you know. That's very much what you're having here. It's the concept of the Greek tragedy. There is James and then there is the hope that somehow things will be good. Now will they be good? I think like I said, we all we we all know hundreds of stories like Marilyn Monroe where somebody internally is bleeding her mind was bleeding to be what, what living what other people wanted to be and, and defending herself. And, you know, look, today you have all these people, when you meet them, without calling names, their entire emotional um, condition evolves around escaping fame and dealing with it. It's the one dominant factor. And there's one woman down on the walls who is uh, very known and it's the only thing she talked about. On the other side, I know she's an actress since she's 10 years old. And I'm thinking, you must have gone through so much sacrifices to become famous. Because there's a lot of 10-year-olds that want to be actresses. They're not getting that far. She made it. But then you feel when she got it, it seems to be such a limitation for her life. It's so dominant to kind of like, she's wrestling with it, you know? It's l so it's... Again, it's this is not. Um, this is the interesting part. If you do what I do, that it's really not what it seems to be. You know. Uh, why do you think that uh, so many people seem to think that beauty is unimportant? Unimportant. Yeah. Well, I hope there would be a few more, huh? <laughs> I don't know. And um, I, I mean, I mean beauty in in the in the Greek sense of the word beauty. I just don't mean something looking nice. But mm. it's because I what uh, maybe I'm trying to posing the question in the wrong way. <laughs> like nowadays, there seems to be so many people that think that if something is beautiful, it's worthy of even like not paying attention to. But yeah, um, that's do, a do very good point. Do you see what I'm point. trying to trying to ask? I know very well what you're trying to ask because. Um, there is there is a development. Um, let's take as an example contemporary art. If you do something beautiful today in the contemporary art, it's been disregarded as art and it's been shown as entertainment. There is a rupture around 1912, 19, maybe a bit earlier, um, between beauty and, and, and entertainment and expression. And somehow the shocking... Maybe because society changed, maybe because, but I mean, we've been through a lot in the, in the 16th century, you know. There have been diseases, there have been wars, but we still had Rembrandt, you know. We still had Bach, you know. There was no problem with experiencing that level of creation. Today, it would be seen as kitsch, you know. And, and a, a good example for me is, is um, look at Picasso's Pink Period. You know, it's so beautiful and it's really intended to be. There's so much delicacy and more than that, what there's something in beauty that I'm missing that is um, sentimentalism. 
there's something in beauty that is always sentimental because beauty is always connected to longing. Beauty is not related to the mathematics of a body or of a face of something perfect, just like you say, but that's why it's such a good question. Beauty is a lot related to a feeling of being held in something, that something is bigger than you, that this whole thing makes sense somehow, that you, you have a feeling of beauty, of happiness when you're with people. You said that was a beautiful moment and that's where it starts. And then we try to, like everything in the Catholic tradition, we try to give everything a face, you know? Look, the Arabs don't do it. You know, they don't dare or they don't, you know, they, they, they do not want to have a, an image of God, you know? But the, the, the Catholic, you know, the Christian, is we very much related to images, you know, to icons, to, to, to relics. And, uh, um, and something, you know, look, I think historically, Picasso goes to the Natural um, History Museum, sees a mask of some Africans, and finds something in there. I do understand the development that he says the beauty is not in in the it's in the purity of the expression. It's in the in the authenticity. It's not in the in the way it's been done. It's in the way it's been felt. It, you know, I think Picasso is starting to internalize beauty which is a very interesting idea. But then obviously in the way it's been shown more and more, you have on one side Hollywood movie entertainment, you know, which has been always obsessed with beautiful. You have the, you have the fashion, which at some point as today leads to you know, the Kardashians, you know, digital and, and plastic surgery. And on the other side, you have the contemporary artwork, which is kind of running itself empty in, in trying to provoke and yeah. to shock people yeah. and you're thinking why does art does not have the courage to be sentimental because what you really need to do you have you need to have the courage to show your own feelings i don't need to really show my own feelings in a marcel duchamp art as, as, as interesting as it is from an art point develop it you know but it's interesting also i think it's malevich black square you know what was it square number one you know it's interesting but it's only one step. Why is it so dominant? Why are we afraid? It does not express any feelings to me, you know? Mm -hmm. In opposite, it pulls them back. But art, and therefore, let's say, culture in the, in the driving force does not allow uh, itself today um, to, to have those feelings. We are afraid of them. We think they're commercial and we think they, they're not valid, mm -hmm. you know? And it's true, I, I, have a, I, I don't mind my work being beautiful. I don't mind responding with people on those emotions. Not, as you say, it's not about beautiful. It's being sentimental. It's there's something melancholic, there is a longing. There's something also um, sensitive, delicate, you know, fragile, you know. And I like that in my work, you know. What, what, what do you think uh, is the biggest misconception that people have when they look at your work? the biggest misconception is that you think you're looking at another person. That you think you're looking at somebody else that somehow has a great life. And I, it, you know, look, the key is um, a, you never take a picture of the way things are. You never take a picture of the way something is. You always take a picture of something that you feel, you project it. If you don't have it inside, you don't see it outside no you you know don't look at the stars you have the whole universe inside of yourself but you need to find it everything you see outside is a longing a need a fear there are there are 
common emotions we share and we're projecting on this. And I think the misconception is that you thinking there is a, a, an Italian woman, Monica, laying naked on a bed, you know, but it is as abstract as looking at, you know, a green circle in an abstract painting. It's only there to evoke a certain emotional response. And that emotional response is is coming from you. It's not coming from Monica, from me or from my pictures. I can just suggest something. I can suggest a conversation you're having with yourself, you know? I send you off to that country and you decide how you travel and what you're gonna do with it, you know? And so maybe when when somebody looks at it and sees at first glance that it that it's beautiful and it gives them the chance to just disregard it and be like, oh, it's it's pretty, I don't have to look at it, I don't have to see any deeper. Maybe it's saying more about the person looking at it. Absolutely. It but about I think the work. Exactly. But that's why you say, that's why in psychiatry, you would always say, even if somebody's lying, he's still telling the truth because he's telling you that he's afraid of the truth. Yeah. You know, and he's still, even somebody who doesn't talk reveals a lot about himself by not talking because you know that he's afraid to speak or he's not able to speak about it. So, you know, what can be more revealing than a person not wanting to speak about something specific? You know, that tells you a lot more than probably if he wants to talk about it and he manipulates his words, you will know less about it than you say, oh, there I touched a sensitive subject. Now yeah. I understand this person a lot better, you know? The, yeah, there, w there, was a, there was a saint, there was uh, some monk or somebody who said that every time a priest comes to me, he's talking about nothing but sex. And every time a prostitute comes to me, he's talk uh, she's talking about nothing but God. Because yeah. when you denounce something, you're tied to it forever. Yeah. And what you're trying to hide, there's always yeah. something there. Yeah. It's a very, and very similar idea. Um, yeah, and it's true. It's a very good example. You know, I think we are, we are converting you know, the pressure we have. But um, it's true. It, in the end, I don't think we're in control of that. You know, but you see those emotional deficits we have, we need to put them somewhere. We need to confess, you know. So what you're saying is a very good example. In 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 many ways a photograph is a sense of a confession. You know, but what you have to con what you feel you should confess, it's your choice. You know? It may not be really what happened. You know, if the priest would know about your life, you would say, Well, what about that one? You're like, No, come on, that was nothing. I want to talk about this, you know, because you feel bad about it. You know, it's the pressure that you're creating for yourself, you know. And that pressure has been again divided between me and James Nachtwife, you know. These are confessions of your own emotional fabric that you try to place and that you feel you need to um you need to you need to work on. Like you, you know. seek out what reflects your insights. Absolutely. And that's how you understand yourself, you know, because you may not know because you, we all think we're very normal people, you know. We all think we probably more or less have a balanced opinion. But when you see those pictures, they confront you with things in a way that through that picture you get to know yourself, you know. You get to know your reactions, you know. Just like you say, like by, by what do you think you have to confess about will tell you a lot more about who you are, you know. Yeah. What are you afraid of? Not being able to work. <laughs> um, the like, not not being able to take pictures. I don't really have anything else. It's the one thing that pulls me through. <laughs> you know, it's my biggest fear: being blind. Um, I don't know. Just 
not no Kodak stopped producing film is a big fear. You know, I lost Polaroids. You know, I don't. I don't know what I would do if I I don't have my camera. You know, if uh, if you wouldn't be able to do photography, what would you be doing? That would be very fearful. I don't know. I thought about it. You know, um, I don't know. I I don't I don't know if I could do movies or if I would just switch. You know, for something. But um, look, I think. What you're asking me right now is a plan B, but I never had a plan B. You know, I never, I don't think you have a, a life B or that, what, what I said before. You don't, you don't have a heart B, you don't have a, a, a left arm B. A friend of mine in New York, um, he's a photographer. He fell over in the kitchen. Um, they took him to the hospital. He survived. They took his right arm. Now he's shooting with his left hand. He didn't change his job. You know, there's no plan B. There's, there's another arm. He just keeps, I mean, it, the, the guy, I can't even think about it, you know. And I talked to him. This, ha this happened this year, recently. This happened in spring, you know. And I, when I talked to him, he's like, you know, there's a lot more you can do with your left hand than you thought <laughs> you could, you know. <laughs> Life goes on. I mean, the guy does not complain for a second, but like, he's, just, he's, he's an icon of, of stability, you know. But that's for me. There's no plan B. I, I, you know, if something happens, I still would try to be a photographer, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, like this guy right now. You know, just shooting with his other arm. You know. Anyone uh, out of your field that you really admire? I don't know. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's. But. Um, yeah, I tell you something that that may be related to that um, because you ask me what I want to do. I'm working on about a story about mothers. And the way I come up with that is kind of because um, I, I, I met something I really admire. I, I was in Belgium taking pictures, you know, the whole crew. And I go to, I, I, I'm in, in some really small little village. I, I, I'm in the train station. I go to the bathroom. There's a lady. In French, you say uh, um, Madame Pipi. Oh, music. <laughs> take care of it you want me to keep okay it's a nice background um what i was telling you yeah so there is this woman um that is guarding the toilet of a train station you know imagine what she's making this woman is a mess a mess her hair is all over the place standing up she has one sock on there's one shoe laying on the floor her dress is 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 ripped in the side, and it's been. It, there's this, uh, a piece of um, there's a piece of tape, and this woman is sitting there, and you're thinking, it, it it's it's uh, you know it's it's devastating to see that a mess, and in front of her she has this little pot with pennies, you know, and next to it, she has four pictures of children. Now, these must be her children. And, and that's something I really admire. The dignity this woman has, what she goes through. But for these four people, she's the mother. Unreplaceable for her life, that is the person that will guide them, that will guide them through misery, that will get set their values straight. And look, she is not afraid. She is not afraid to be humiliated. She obviously does the best she can, you know, but... That's something to admire. I think that's a lot more admirable than for me than meeting people in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. But the 
the dignity this woman has to be the best person she can for four children, working with pennies in a toilet and not being able to know where her left sock is, you know, that's moving. You know. Anything that uh, your mother taught you that you're not going to forget? <sighs> um, you know, my mother brought me up on on what what is this real struggle that what matters the most is um, is having an artistic sensibility, and I was trying to break out and look. You know, I w I became a fa I was tired of being the artist, and I'm 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 you know I'm how do you say that? Uh, I've been so educated and and trained is the better word to be the artist because that's all that matters in my house and sometimes i was tired of it i says no give me a good hotel give me i become a fashion photographer you know it was a struggle for me because i really had no money but in the end it's true you gotta you gotta find that unresolved search of of expressing yourself in pictures and every time i tried to get more commercial and i said you know what fuck it i'm just gonna make some money I feel myself, and that's what you also feel in the pictures downstairs. There's such a struggle that you don't see creatively. It's a huge struggle to get these pictures. Half of the pictures down at the show were not supposed to exist. They exist because I was pushing the client to the limit that says, I need to get that shot, including Charlize Theron, where the editor talks to me while I'm shooting. They say, this is not what we want, Vincent. This is not the pic. You know, you're not working for a museum here. You know how many times I get that phrase? Now, it's almost because back in the day, I never thought about showing in museums. I didn't even know what photographiska was. But it's, it's ironic that these pictures actually end up in one because, the f you know, it's, a, it's kind of a, um, you know, obviously they meant it as a derogatory, as an in insult to say, Vincent, you're not shooting for a museum. You're shooting for a fashion magazine. Can you do some smiles? You know, and you, you did you do you get this in color? You know, those are the things I get on set. And to hold on to something, say, no, I need to say something about this person. I need to communicate on another level, also to people on another level, not just exactly what I'm trying to escape from, because that that. Um, that uh, fear of, of my work being superficial that really haunts me, you know, that fear of even coming here and being used as the guy who's like showing the happy world, you know, so people have something around Christmas to look at. That's not who I want to be, but it's always the edge what I have to work on because when I get the job, they just want you to, they it's, it's, you know, if you have a certain skill in photography, it's easy to make a woman look just beautiful. But just like you say, it, the, it stops there. And to draw them in and to show different layers and to get them to think about a beautiful person, that's really hard. Because, not because it's hard also creatively or visually, because nobody gives a shit. Nobody's interested. And everybody says, what are you doing? You know, when I put the white paint on, on Emma Watson's face and everybody's like, we don't use this shit. What are you doing? You know, like shoot the clothes. You know, where's the Chanel bag, you know? get with the program so you have to fight so much to get there you know and that's also in the end it's true I'm so happy to be here or to be able to show my work you know because you said at least all that fight went somewhere you know because I think there's a lot of other people fighting that but you you try so hard to give it more to make it personal to to be truthful to yourself in those pictures nobody cares you know photography is such a commodity you know 
take the picture, put it on the wall, have people buy the magazine, move on, do the next shot, you know? Just make sure the girl has good skin. You know? Yeah. And without your mom, you feel like you wouldn't have that, uh, you wouldn't have I would drive. never have that strength. I would never have those values. I would never have the strengths that it matters, that this is, this is what matters. But this is not just what got me here. This is what got me through the times. Because in the end, everybody always, even in New York, the most commercial place on the planet, everything is about money. But people always repeat these, you have to believe in yourself. You know, but everybody, it's really, they're attacking you for it every day. They said, no, we want this. This sells better. It's all about the, um, how much you can commercialize your work, you know? And, and um, in the end, I think there's a huge problem today with photography because it's been commoditized, you know? I think, you know, commoditized in the way that I mean on Wall Street, that the, the difference between two products or different products or 50 products has been completely erased that after all the only difference you can define is the price you know but there's no real you know it's like you go to a supermarket you have 50 pieces of butter you know some of them is cheaper some of them has a better value but it's been that's that it's just a commoditized you know item there's nothing more to it and that's what happened to photography today it's not anymore to express something particular it's about to sell something you know, and more or less for the smallest price possible. So it's true, what, what my mom got me through is to say, hold on to this, like they, there is something at the end. And it's true, it's tricky, you have to make a decision how far you're pushing it with a client, you know, because they say, you know, oh, you know, Vincent is really difficult, he always wants to get his own pictures, you know, like why, that, that's not what we're here for, you know, like do the smile, do the color picture, do the white background, you know, you know how a cover looks like, you know. So it's hard to fight that. You need it's 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 painful because it doesn't always mean that your shot is better. Not necessarily just because the girl, you know, it, it because it's 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 a black and white picture it doesn't make it an artistic shot, you know. So you know that you need to you need to put a lot of into it. You know. So in a way, your uh, new work that you're doing is a homage to your own mother. No, yeah. Um, you're not you're not talking about my dad, <laughs> who's actually more in the other side of influence, because my mom is very present. She's very much there. You know, she she um, the the communication is more immediate. But my father is dead, and he wasn't around a lot. So I think the conversation with him is silent. You know, and my father was in a way a true escapist because. After the war, when he grew up and Germany was in in ruins, he is the guy who walk who went to the movies to see American films and who saw something that he couldn't find in his everyday. You know, while well, my mom was in Japan and didn't really see much of this whole thing. You know, l l looking at books of Picasso. But my dad lived the post-war Germany. My dad really escaped in American films, and for him, there was hope. In in a, a lot more of a how do you say? Um, a lot more of it. I mean, look, you survived the uh, occupation of the Soviet Union, you know? So you know what it is if you say, we want to go there because there is a sense of escape. There is, there is something that we think we deserve. We don't need this. We want to, you know, there is a direction of where you think your life could improve. And I think in Germany, after the post-war, obviously, they've, they've been through a lot, you know? And one of the reasons that that mentally I think they found those coordinates, it's true, was in the 
in, it's true, it's an art form. Those American films from the 40s and 50s, they were an art form of escapism, you know, in, in the way the studio system has done them. I think still in the way they went lit. There was really something there that, that resonates and uh, um, connects with so many people and that was unfortunately also capable of, you know, um, I think in those years America colonized our subconscious, you know, because since then we feel America just has something grander, you know. It was those Cold War years where America through propaganda was capable of selling us something that was an incredible um, optimism and, and, and a dream in through their entertainment industry, you know. Also maybe through their art industry to a certain point, you know, that's why, maybe that's one of what, what you said before. That's why abstract expressionism, you know, after the war, Rotko and, and yeah. Pollock got so, yeah. got so big, you know. But um, m my dad was very receptive to that, so I do think that this is a huge influence in my work, you know, because he gave me the value of that aesthetics, you know. My mom is not a big fan of movies, you know. And I think my mom probably would have been happy if I would be a painter, you know. She takes the photography part as kind of like, okay, at least he pays his own rent, you know. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think we live the unlived lives of our parents? Uh, I th think... Um, um, yeah. Uh, there is a certain term in German, uh, introject. I don't know how to um, translate it. And the introject, uh, introjecte, is the emotional um the emotional transmitting of your parents of some of their emotions of some of their experiences that you haven't lived but you're living through them so if if your mother or your father has been traumatized by something his reactions his fear will reflect on the child that never had the traumatism herself you know but it will still somehow live with it without necessarily being able to comprehend it or understand it. And I think because of that, you're not able to categorize or to comprehend or to, uh, uh, um, to really digest those emotions. So they stay with you as something that is very strong because you don't really know where they come from. These are values that you, haven't, um, that you cannot question because they're not yours, you know? Does it make sense? You yeah, what you, I'm you didn't choose them. So yeah, you, I yeah. mean, like you know, let's say for lack of a better example, um, um, your, you know, uh, your 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 great grandmother was beaten by by a guy, and since then she's a she has a certain fear of man. Her attitude of man has been, has been you know, because maybe she was beaten in school by 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 some guys, but it will necessarily influence her attitude of man. Over that her attitude. daughter will be in. She would she would at you know. Uh, uh, she would definitely uh, be very careful with the way she she's educating her daughter about possible violence, you know, in a man. Yeah. While her daughter never had that own experience, you yeah. know. So in that sense, you're right. We're living not necessarily the unlived life, but I think we're living the emotional traumas and experiences of our parents without necessarily knowing where they come from. And they, like I said, they're difficult to fight. But that, like you know, that is the emotional fabric that we're made of, you know, and that is look like a country. You know, you've been born into a place, and you have to you're adjusting to culture and spirit, you know, without necessarily knowing 
the history. You yeah. know, even studying it, it will always be a dry process. But emotionally, you know, right now, me being here in an ex-occupied Soviet Union place, it will have a necessarily impact on all of you, and it will have a strong impact of what it, how much the conditions are. Um, you know, let's say um, what we said in the beginning how much those conditions made your parents sacrifice or you know have certain emotional deficits that we're all looking for but you know what i think you got to embrace that that's your story you know yeah how old were you when your uh, dad passed away um i was <laughs> around 40 around 40 okay yeah. so not not too long ago do you feel like your work has been in a way uh, trying to prove something to him yeah, I definitely think you work something off, you know. And plus, because like I said, he was not really close. He was not a, a present person. He was there, but he was more like a, 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 an older brother. Yeah. So I do think there is a strong sense of um, there was a strong sense of competitiveness. When I got very successful, he didn't like it, you know, mm. because it also was a time when his career was declining and he was smaying. He was playing it by smaller numbers, you know. But I think he, I would, I could. I couldn't understand it then, but I can understand it now where I get older. If uh, my, like, let's say if my son suddenly would be a very famous uh, uh, in Instagram influencer, and I see how Instagram is attacking the values of photography, but he's kind of like being successful with it, I would be like, why do you destroying what, 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 I, what I raised you with, what mattered to me so much, you know? So um, I, I don't think it's an easy process, you know, when you've been when 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 somebody's passing you by and, and it makes you feel smaller to a certain point, you know. But yeah, I mean, all of this is in there. But the interesting thing is, um, all these questions you're asking me right now are in my work, and all of these questions you're asking me, I'm asking myself, looking at those pictures, because when I take the picture, it's such an unconscious process. The 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 acoustic voice that that speaks to me that answers the question from that inner voice that I hear that is when I'm looking at these big frames on the walls and I'm thinking just like you say how much of my dad is looking at me why do I have an aesthetic that is very much related to let's say French and American films from the 60s you know why do some of my women have a relationship that is somehow a reminder of Sophia Lauren, B maybe it, you know, is it the woman that was it was an icon for me, or did I admire her, or was it a liberation from my father to get away from post-war Germany? You know, where does this come from? You know, but it's true. Tell you the truth, I, there's no conscious process to make you know Adriana or uh, Monica look like uh, 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 Sophia Lauren. You know, but I know when I'm in Italy, I'm always confronted with a question, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I think uh, Sofia Loren is a little bit too much for me. She's more of a caricature. I think she's she's too exaggerated. You know, like Marilyn, there would not be great influences on my work because they they appear to me slightly one-dimensional in the way they 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 define themselves. I think they become a wider surface of projection, uh, which you know again plays into the idea of that celebrity is more of a mirror of yourself. But for my work itself. They lacking the layers, but I do know that Sophia Lauren was like you know one of my father's favorites. So yes, I mean there's there's family looking at me through those pictures. But look, that process that we're talking about right now, that process of self-discovery, that very um, 
psychoanalytical process. It's, it's from me to the photograph. But that process is continuing from the photograph to the viewer. That guy, because whatever I put in the picture will be a similar process from the viewer looking at the picture from his side. And if his father had a relationship with Sophia Lauren or with somebody else, or whatever his mother was projecting when he was younger, he will connect in, in the photograph. And that is the truth of him. Of, of and if, if communication is truthful, that sense of commonalities that have been filled up by, um, by your personal emotional experiences, that is the truth of communication. I could never tell anybody um, what is really in my photographs, the, the truth that got me to do this picture, because most of it I hardly know myself. But it got me to take that picture, and if the picture is good and somehow has the capacity to, to, uh, um, to, to take the ball and suggest it, it's an outline, and we're both filling it up. But again, the interesting part is that the that whole process we're discussing right now continues on the other side when people walk in the museum. And some people don't connect with the pictures, but if they do connect with it, it's not because of what I've been through with my father. It's because what they've been through with their father, you know? So that's the beauty of communication. You yeah. know? And that is, and that sense, um, that commonality, that is really what a celebrity is. And that makes you show what a white projection surface these people are, you know? That two complete people from very different sides, one of them maybe from Germany, the other one hopefully here from Tallinn, but we can connect on the commonality of desire, of longing, of beauty, of, of, of conflict, of, of sexuality, of, of a person that is carrying all that in her face and in her posture, you know? But again, it will never be about Monica, you know? Yeah. For me, it will be about my dad, and for somebody else, it will be about his mother, you know? What's the, what's the next chapter, the next 10 years in your uh, professional life? I don't know. Um, well, first of all, I think the next chapter is to keep photography alive, you know? I'm very worried about the future of photography considering how disposable it became through social media. But for me, like I said, the, the story I told you about the mothers is something I really work on. I started to shoot animals. Um, I wanted to know if I can shoot animals the way I can shoot celebrities, you know, if it looks the same. I try to shoot animals like Alfred Hitchcock would shoot them, you know, not like the way they are, not like the grandeur of nature, but more like something disappearing, something fluid, like, I think it's interesting, you know, Look, you define, I define obviously my relationship through women and through men, through my photography and through myself for that. But I think it's also interesting to, find my, to define my relationship to nature through my photography. I don't know if it works. I've seen photographers go very wrong when I do something else. I don't like Martin Scorsese if he does movies that are not about gangsters. <laughs> I think every time he's going <laughs> terribly wrong. But uh, you can see that he's really working that angle. Yeah. He really tried, yeah. you know. When Martin Scorsese, why does Martin Scorsese goes from the Lower East Side in Manhattan, from Little Italy to Tibet, and shoots a movie like Kundun, or Age of Innocence, horrible films, I think, you mm -hmm. know. They may be technically well done, but they don't touch me emotionally because mm -hmm. I can feel that he's not emotionally involved 
in the Tibetan culture. Martin Scorsese is a deeply Catholic little boy from, from Little Italy. Maybe when he did The Last Temptation of Christ, he had to work off something, you know? Mm -hmm. But why does he do his, that makes a movie about Buddhism, you mm -hmm. know? I don't understand. And I don't want to make that mistake, you know? I don't want to make the mistake Van Gogh made when he was, when, when he discovered the, the one-dimensional um, um, idea of Japanese paintings, you know? I don't think that's his best work, mm -hmm. you know? His best work is when he's so emotional about the colors of the South. So sometimes, but maybe sometimes um, we say, um, if you lose your way, you discover a lot more going back than if you go straight to where you want to go. So maybe by me taking some really terrible pictures, I go back to something that is really interesting and good. And I think it's rather, uh, I think I'm very consistent about what I do. Maybe it's good for me to really break out of it, you know, do something very different. Mm -hmm. But I admire Peter Lindbergh for his consistency and Helmut Newton. I think they've done one thing all their life and I think that makes them good. That made them who they are, you know. Yeah. Okay, one last question, Vincent. Yes. Uh, anything in the last two or three years that has really excited you, that you th still think about, that you've discovered? Yeah, there was this girl I met. No, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, believe it or not, but it's really, uh, uh, um, you know, it, it, being at Fotografiska, believe it or not, is is um, if you if if you take back to everything we talked about, and if you see how much how much my work, how much everybody's work, if it's valuable, is connected to your biography, in an unconscious way, like the struggle I had, you know, when when you're 19 and you go to New York on your own, I lived with ten dollars a day. I was in jail in New York. We had to I, I had to steal food and jump the subway. You know, so uh, you know you go through a lot of shit to get where you are, and then at some point at the end, to have the feeling that it 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 was worth it. I know it's 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 slightly superficial, and I'm I'm struggling with that. Is it worth it? Because right now it's on the walls of Fotografiska, it's on the walls of galleries, it's been it's been looked at. But yes, of course, you need a certain sense of not success, but you need to have the feeling of sharing it. You know. I think to go back to to James Nachtwey, he said he wants to um, he wants to point his finger on humanitarian um, crisis, misery, and misconduct. He wants to draw attention. Now, if that attention is not happening, all that pain goes for nothing, you know. So, to a certain point, to go back to a Catholic, um, if, if 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 Jesus would have not been resurrected for Easter, it would have just been a poor guy who died on the cross without any other meaning. All that suffering would have been for nothing. So I think we're all looking for that level of resurrection. And it's true. Being on the walls of a respected place and having people look at it, shaking some hands, even at that moment, honestly, you don't know if they have any idea what it took to get there. But again, you know, Starting from the story that you asked me about my parents and when you said maybe yes, maybe my dad would have been so happy to see that I'm on this wall so would have been here. But to the to the struggle that I go through in the studio to get that shot and everybody tells me not to take it. They want the hair different, they want the colours different, they want the set different, they want it they want often the lighting to be softer and more commercial. I said, No, it has to be like that. And um, 
and I think it's so sad that Van Gogh never saw how much he's connecting with people because he died before he was suffering so and you know somehow you f you know that you're right there's something you like mm -hmm. I said your inner voice tells you you know this is good mm -hmm. but the doubt is killing you you mm -hmm. know the doubt is ki every time I'm in LA or I'm in New York after a shoot I lay it where I lay awake the whole night and I'm thinking I really fucked it up if anybody would know what a bad photographer I am, you know, this is over. And then in the end, to, to have the capacity, and that was really the education of the last three years, because I'm only doing shows since maybe three, four years. And to see that somebody, um, somebody connects with your feelings, you know, it does make you feel less alone in this world, and it's worth a lot, you know? It's worth a lot because you feel all this shit might go somewhere, you know? So, yeah, I mean, honestly, having, having shows on that level, you know, with everything you've been through, and so many people told you this is the wrong direction, you know? It's, it's, uh, it makes you breathe. It gives you, it gives you a lot of, like, uh, energy to kind of, like, keep going, you know? Beautiful. Vincent Peters, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for listening. As mentioned before, Vincent Peters' exhibition, The Light Within, can be seen until the 16th of February. And in the next episode, I will be talking to the British chef, Kirk Haberth.